have come, Lord Jesus, be with us. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, um, for those of you that don't know, it's been a it's been a hard few weeks for my family. Um, just last week, I was in the hospital with my little Ethan. This is his third hospital visit. I know I've shared about it in the past. My oldest had RSV. I know a lot of our families are suffering with that. Uh, praise be to God that Lydia is back home from the hospital from that. And then to, to top it off, uh, my mother-in-law passed this past Friday, um, November 4th. And so I just want to share um, and, and, like, show my gratitude um, and honor Alicia and Dave. They both, like, texted me and they're like, Jess, if you need to take this, this you know, this month off, you know, let us please serve you. Um, and I just want to say that there is something about, like, pressing into Jesus when there is pain. Um, and so I'm like, no, I'm going to, you know, because I, I was tempted. I'm like, yeah, a break sounds really good about now. I could really use a break, God. Um, but there is something about pressing into that pain and just being expectant that God is going to meet you. So no pressure, but y'all better bring the testimonies today. Y'all better bring it. All right, God. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're, we're going to jump into it um, and, and carve out this time. Um, this last Wednesday, I was so blessed by our life group. We were looking at the, the same passage that we're going to look at this morning. It's the passage of Lazarus. Jesus' friend. You may know it well, but I'm hoping that you'll walk away with a different understanding this morning about it. Um, in this passage, we, um, and I'm not sure if, awesome. Okay, we're going to jump right into it. So if you are able, would you stand with me to honor the reading of God's word? It's a long one. So bend your knees. Don't lock your knees, all right? I mean, it's better than being at Catholic Mass. Y'all don't have to get up and down every five seconds, okay? All right. I pray that as we read, in all seriousness, um, I really want you to focus on what Jesus is saying about the glory of God. Don't miss it. All right, let's jump in. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Maybe you're thinking Jesus is like, whoa, this isn't the Jesus I thought. Like, why didn't he drop everything and go perform the miracles we read about all the time? He sat and waited for two days. Maybe it feels like Jesus is just sitting and waiting while you are in pain and in misery. Finally, after two days of sitting and chilling, 
watching Netflix. Who knows what he was doing? He said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. Mind you, the disciples were like clueless, right? They were lacking faith, um, believing that Jesus was going to be stoned. They could not see the big picture. Could we relate to that this morning? Next slide. Or did I not read this? I'm sorry. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Indeed, he had died. So he told them plainly, look, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. I told you, pay attention to the glory of God. If we could go back to that real quick. Jesus says, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't there. My friend died. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Now you will really believe. Church, let's remember that. We'll see that come back again at the end. Bend those knees. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, well, shoot, let's go too and die with Jesus. There's that unbelief again. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Imagine what that scene must have felt like and looked like. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Oh, to be like Martha. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise again when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Amen. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Church, do we believe this this morning? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners. Pay attention to the mourners. They'll come back at the end. And told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus has stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were there at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her. There are the mourners again. They're coming. They're following her. 
When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Those people, the audience, the chismosos, the mourners, right? Some believed that he genuinely was saddened and others were like, he could have done this if he wanted to. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Lack of faith from the disciples, lack of faith from Mary, from Martha, from the observers. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Didn't I tell you, you would see God's glory if you believed. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jazarus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus, thank you that you help us see God's glory. Jesus, thank you that you uh, unwrap us from what binds us from death. And you tell us to come out of our graves Lord God, I pray that um, the seeds this morning of stories would just be watered and ready to be told. There are people that need to, just like the mourners who, who mocked you, just like Mary and Martha who could not see the bigger picture, just like the disciples who lacked faith. Oh, we need to hear of the testimonies of what you've done for your glory so that we would believe. Um, come, Jesus, stir up these stories that need to be told. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I hope that was okay. <laughs> right? We've got to endure. It's good to read through. I know there, we were talking about possibly chunking it up, but just convicted to really share through that whole passage this morning. I pray that it blessed you. Didn't I tell you that you would see the God's glory if you believe? On Wednesday, we were talking about, man, who was this really all about? Was this whole encounter, was it for the disciples' sake? Because they were just disbelieving in Jesus and lacking faith? Was it for Mary and Martha? Was it for Lazarus? Or was Lazarus kind of just a, a little prop in the story? Was it for the mourners who didn't believe and believed once they saw? 
the glory of God. On Wednesday, we wrestled with this in our life group, and we came to the conclusion, I love the way Adriana put it, because, you know, we got Bible scholars in our, in our life group. That's what I call these ladies. This is, these are Adriana's words. It was, it was for all who were present. She actually made the parallel connection to Testimony Sunday, that every little or big story we share, there will be people who believe, who are ready, who by hearing your testimonies of God's faithfulness would believe because it was shared at the right time for the right person. And so, friends, we need you to share. So many times I hear from you after I wanted to share, but I was too afraid or it wasn't that my story is not that big. Friends, if you feel that stirring, that nudging from the spirit, I pray that you would have boldness to come up and share because there are people in here that need to hear it. We need to glorify God with what he is doing in our lives. We need to share that out. He's brought you here today to share. Our existence is to point to our creator and to glorify him, to make his name known. So, who would like to start us off? Thank you, Scott. Um, for right now, I work as a special ed teacher, but before that, I worked for 18 years on staff with university. Well, not 18. I was involved with university for 18 years as staff working with college students. And in 2000, um, my wife and I um, were a little better looking then, or at least I was. Um, and we moved to Boyle Heights to start a ministry at Cal State There had been no ministry there for 20 years, and we were trying to start something there. And I worked on staff with University at Cal State for about 10 years. And during my 10 years, we saw different waves of growth. Um, but I would say for the most part, it was hard labor with, with not a lot to show for it. Um, there were even years where I, like years, where I was like, Lord, what are we doing? Like I knew God was doing something inside me through the process by his kindness. But uh, most of the years I wondered, God, what are we doing here? Especially when there were, were times of growth and that growth sort of disappeared. And um, on, Wednesday, on Thursday, I had the um, privilege to go and speak um, to the university group that's at Casele now. And as I sat there on the grass with them, I realized um, this is the answer to all the things that we prayed for during those 10 years. And not, I don't want to mislead, not in like a, you know, go down the checklist of every specific thing, but in the sense of like, wow, God has developed this um, group of students and the, where the ministry is now in ways that we dreamed of, in ways that we prayed for. And one of the things I shared with the group is just you are the answer to 20 years of prayer. You are the answer to what God has been at work in for a long time. And the reason why I wanted to share that today is just, um, I know like you, if you're, if you're like me, like I, I like the prayers of like, okay, God, I'm going to pray that this thing happens this week. Because um, it either does or it doesn't. Um, it's hard to pray for the things that take years come into play. Um, but as I shared with one of the students there that's a friend of my daughter's, I said, you are worth it to God. Because <laughs> he has been at work 
to make this happen for years. And so maybe you're in the place of things that you're waiting years to see, or you've been waiting years to see. Um, I pray that God will honor that with those prayers being answered. So, amen. Thank you, Scott. And like, what a beautiful connection, right? Like, we could totally miss the point of what God is doing. But for you to, what an encouragement too, for you to go back 20 years later and to see that. Like, God has been at work. God uses us. And it may take time. And it takes a lot of faith and trust. Um, but what a gift that he let you see that in your lifetime. Just as it was a gift for the people that were able to see God's glory in that story today. Thank you. Who else? Come on up, Miss Liz. <laughs> okay, most of you guys know me. My name's Liz. Um, I have a testimony to give that I've been holding for about, I want to say, three weeks because it was kind of frustrating trying to realize what was the whole point of me trying to give this testimony. As you guys are all aware, I do have a 18-year-old daughter who's autistic, but she's high-functioning and she has a lot of needs. Um, over the couple, last couple years, she's had problems like build up fluid in her brain and it has caused her to have blurry vision, loss of movement, you know, walking, talking, you know, dif difficulties. And about two weeks ago, almost three, I took priority over work then taking care of my daughter. She was like, Mom, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I was just attributing that she wanted attention because that's what she usually does. But, you know, I was like, you know, I took priority over work. I went to work that day. I went, it was on a Thursday. I went to work. I don't know if you guys know how far um, San Juan Capistrano is. I went to work that day and my daughter had class. She's going to ELAC and the class got canceled. She's like, Mom, I don't feel good. I'm going to go to my doctor. I'm like, what? You never go to your doctor by yourself. Hold on, you know, wait a minute. Is, you know, for her to say she needs to go to a doctor, she's not feeling good. So as I'm trying to work, I'm praying like, God, you know, is this a sign? You know, what do you want me to do? Should I go home? Should I wait? So to make the long story short, she went to a doctor. My doctors couldn't help her, so they sent her to the ER at Children's. Uh, my daughter has difficulty expressing what she actually feels because she does suffer from migraines. So she told the doctor, oh, I have a migraine. But the doctors, all they did is they quick fix her, give her medication, and send her home. But I was realizing as the days went by, which was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, she was getting worse. And I was just kept on praying, God, God, what do you want me to do? You know, I know she might be having fluid in her brain. I'm not sure if they, this is what's going on again. So, you know, what do you want me to do? You know, show me. So I did not go to work for the last four days. And on Sunday, sure enough, she just collapsed, like, we were at a park at a baby shower at my brother's, and she just collapsed. And I said, oh, no, it's not good. So I was trying to get a hold of neurology at Children's while I was rushing to Children's Hospital. Actually, on Thursday, it took me three hours to get from San Clemente um, over there, San Juan Capistrano, to Children's to get to her because I left work, and it took me still three hours to get to her. So on Sunday night, I was... Just praying, God, please, let, you know, let her be good. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't look at the signs. I, I prioritized work over her, and I just kept on praying and praying and praying. And then when we, when we got to Children's, even though we, the wait was long, like always, 
we were about four hours waiting outside in the waiting room, and she was getting worse. And I was like, look, she's getting worse, she's getting worse. So they rushed her into the back. They seen her, how bad she was. They rushed her to the back, and they told her, you know, what are you feeling? It's like, I just feel like my head's hurting. I go, is it headache? Is it pressure? And she was trying to explain that it was between the difference between a migraine and a pressure. So the doctors were all trying to communicate with another neurology and whatnot. And what happened was they wanted to dope her up again with the cocktail that they gave her on Thursday when she was already on medication since Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, her regular migraine medication. And I said, no, this is not a migraine. This is pressure in her brain. She needs to get a spinal tap to remove the pressure. And they were not listening to me. They wanted to give her the cocktail. And the cocktail, they said, look, you got two options. We give her the cocktail, you take her home, and you bring her back. Or give the cocktail, doesn't work, we admit her. And I was just so frustrated. I'm like, you know what, just give me, give me 30 minutes. I need to think about what I need to do. So as, as tired as I was since Thursday, between work, my kid, and everything, I just dropped to my knees, started crying, because I didn't know what to do. I was frustrated with the doctors, because they had the audacity to tell me, who is the doctor here, you or me? I don't know if you guys have gotten that at the hospital. And I told him, who knows your kid more than you? More than, who knows your kid better, you or me? So as I prayed and I prayed, I just felt this calming sensation come through my body. And I just said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll just do it for, to, better, to benefit my daughter. I'll just leave it in your hands. And if you want this to happen sooner than later, I'll just, let it, I'll just give it to you. So I said, okay, just give her the cocktail, which I know it's not going to work. They gave her the cocktail. Sure enough, it didn't work. They had to admit her on that Sunday. And it usually takes about two to three days to get a spinal tap at Children's. So that was Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, she would have got the spinal tap. I prayed to God. I go, God, if this is what's meant to be for you, for us to get the spinal tap done sooner than later or today, give me a sign. I leave it all to you. As the day went on, the neurology came in at 9 o'clock, said, okay, we're going to do the spinal tap. It just takes a little bit of days. Sure enough, two hours later, the neurology comes back. Goes, we had a cancellation. Your daughter's in to get the spinal tap. So she got the spinal tap, and she felt much better. She was two more days in the hospital to get all her coordination and balance and everything back together. She's still been under the weather for the last two weeks also, so I've just been keeping an eye on her, making sure everything's okay. But I've been leaving everything to God to give me the signs of what's next. And we see neurology, neurology. Um, scheduled a CT scan and an MRI of her brain to see what is the next step. If she might need a shunt, if she might not need a shunt, but I'm leaving it to God that she doesn't need a shunt and works his magic to help her and cure her. Thank you, Liz, for that. Uh, man, it's just such a, an encouragement that when things feel like they're falling around us, right, like pressing into Jesus, falling on your knees and asking for guidance, clarity. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I'm sure someone needed to hear that this morning. Who else, family? Brother Matthew, let me make my way over to you. Let us continue to glorify God. I'm right here. Hi, folks. For those who may not know, it's um, Matthew here. I was, um, just to give you kind of a background, if you've never been here, I was born completely blind. And wow, I, Liz, I'd love to pray for you after we're done here. But uh, um, I, too, was diagnosed as having, quote, unquote, high-functioning autism. So your daughter is not alone. And as a matter of fact, looking 
back now, um, I was actually, um, I did do well, as far as education is concerned, I did do well in other subjects like you know, writing or, or history or science, but the one thing that's still a problem even today is math. Not that I'm dumb or don't like learning, but um, back in seventh grade, once I got to algebra, um, the teachers were like, nah, you, um, we can only help you so much. There's, we, we don't have the, all the resources and equipment you need because in Braille, it, um, it's a whole other thing. And then when you have to draw number lines, things are visual. It, it's, you, you, can't, you, you need to see what you're doing and, and to, pre to present to the teachers. But long story short here, I, I did do well and graduated middle school and high school and whatnot. And, as far, and when, I, when I got to college, that was another uphill battle. So Liz, if your daughter's here, I, tell her not to give up. It, it's, it's not over till God says so. And um, you, you know, um, all these years, my mom had a, had a lot to, she, she felt what you're, what you're feeling today, Liz, and um, she can testify that she's had to go to every lawyer in the education system because see, in this kind of situation, you have to pick your battles and see um, what works and what doesn't. And sure enough, they, um, uh, I, I did end up going to ELAC, and I, it took me 10 years. I did do the basic math, but that's as far as I got. And I, but I did complete all the other classes, including English, and I got A's and B's in each one and made the honor roll. So if you, if you, think, if, if you think raising a kid with autism is, is tough, please don't, don't give up the fight. And it can be done, especially if you're trying to help them with their homework after weeks of, of sickness and, and uncomfortableness. And I, please don't, don't ever give up the fight. And let, two years ago, I graduated with honors, and um, they had the ceremony via YouTube. So if, I, I hope that's a, a blessing to you all. And what's also um, funny, but true at the same time, like the blind man in, in John 9, before Jesus um, came and healed Lazarus, I too was not so much mocked or hated by relatives or family members because of this, but I was denied um, benefits from the schools and, and whatnot. But now that I'm older, I've come to see we, though we are, though we work in this profession, we're human. We all have our limits and we can only help so much the, the, the people that, that are in our care. So don't give up Liz and everybody else. Thank you, brother Matthew. It's such a blessing to know you. Um, yeah, we, he used to be a part of our life group when we were a co-ed, and um, such a joy always getting to hear about how God is working through you, and we're so proud of you, and we're so grateful that, that you can share about your life experiences with those that, that may need that. Thank you. Miss Lucy, come on up.
Uh, okay, I just want to share something that is very, uh, uh, you know, real for everyone. And I had, for the first time, an anxiety attack. I can call them that. Um, other people can call them um, the enemy attack, you know, uh, the evil attack on last November 2nd. I went on um, a rage completely. I lost it completely. I broke things in my house. I throw things. I didn't, I was not able to control myself. And I get out of the house and I start walking and walking and walking and walking. And at one point of my walking, I was hearing voices that says, you're not worth it. Better you to kill yourself. Walk in front of the car. You're not good enough. And I keep walking. And at one point, I just sit down and I say, Lord, this is not me and you. This is not me. If I'm hearing voices, it's not you. So please bring me back. Just take me back, you know. So I took the moment. I sit down and breathe and was able to control myself. And I'm so glad, you know, I called friends at that moment. And they were able to pray for me. They were able to right away start praying. When I called them, I didn't tell them what was going on. But right away, they jump and they start praying for me. And I feel a relief in my heart. And I was able to went back home and ask for forgiveness and make up with my boyfriend. And, you know, because I throw things at him that I shouldn't. So, but knowing the relationship with God, you know, like Lazarus knew that he was there. Their family knew that Jesus was there. But what about those people that they do not know how to run to God? how to get connected with him, people will end up killing themselves at that moment. But I'm so glad and so grateful that I know him. And I feel so bad for minimize those um, anxiety attacks from other people. I ask for forgiveness because I minimize even my daughter's anxiety attacks before. But I'm not, I know better now. I would not do that anymore and I will run to Jesus like always do man I couldn't help but and worship team if you could come on up and join me I couldn't help but like make the connection uh, with some of the testimonies we heard today like pausing pausing and running to Jesus I feel like we even saw that in, in the story this morning that Jesus took two days as people were questioning him that he took those two days before going knowing full well that the glory of God would be revealed in that. And for Scott, maybe it took 20 years to see that. Um, and it, it took Lucy some time to sit and just cling to Jesus in that moment. And I could testify to the same of like, 
in that hospital room just looking for Jesus, like anywhere that I could find him. And, and you're right, Lucy, not everyone has that. There may be some people in this room that don't have that, right? Like there are so many other things that we turn to instead of running to Jesus and pressing into him when we need him the most. And I'm so glad that you had those friends that you could cling to. And I'm so glad that you were able to see that come to fruition, Scott, 20 years later. But there are people that don't have that. And so, friends, you may not have shared your testimony today. But Testimony Sunday doesn't live just here in these walls. You can be sharing your testimony with your family. The holidays are coming up. How are you going to live missionally we spent the last few months talking about that how are you going to glorify Jesus with everything that you are with every word that leaves your lips beyond the walls of this church in your workplace how are you going to glorify God and make his name known that his reputation would Make people want to know more about the God that you cling to in your moments of need and not turn to other things. And so as we um, join in worshiping and continuing to worship and to praise him and to glorify him, I pray that you would ask God, what does that look like? In the next few days, in your workplace, to your neighbor, to your family, what does that look like to glorify God with your testimony? after my friend passed away um, the family came to where his counters are at and I spent time with them um, they know I'm Christian, they know that I sing songs so I sing songs to right there in the little altar that they made um, we go back to his house at 1am um, everyone's like sad, depressed and like it's just literally me and his older brother his name is Guillermo Villasenor he's a non-believer he doesn't believe in Jesus, he doesn't believe in Christ he doesn't believe in his love this is where God put me in the test. He's all like, Noel, let's see how, how bad you ride with me. Let's see if you can represent me. He is a non-believer in this, this um, we were talking for about four hours. So it was 2 a.m. all the way to 6 a.m. Um, at the end, he, he just broke down and he said, I'm not deserving of God's love. I'm not worthy of his worship. I'm not worthy enough to worship Jesus, to worship God. And that's why I told him, Guillermo, that's not true. Let me remind you something. In the Bible, there's three angels named in the Bible. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Jesus said he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Satan fell from heaven like lightning. 
And Lucifer had instruments inside of him. He could sing better than you, me, anyone put together. But instead of the worship coming through him, he wanted to come to him. And God didn't like that. Because no one is worthy of worship but the all-living God. No one can handle all that worship but the all-living God. So God had to kick him out. And the reason why the enemy hates you and I so much is because we get to worship Jesus and God out of choice. So I'm here to tell you today, brothers and sisters, don't let the enemy attack you. That's not true. You are worthy of his love. You are worthy of his worship. You are worthy of loving him because he will love you 100%. He chose you yesterday. He chose you today. And he'll choose you tomorrow. And he'll choose you the day after that and the day after that. That night, Guillermo Villasenor accepted Jesus Christ in his life. And I just had to share this because this is the first time I've ever led Jesus that's not singing. This is the first time I've ever had a one-on-one conversation with another person. And I just had to share that story with you guys. Go ahead and stand up and worship the Lord. Just praise him, God, for all the ways in which he has stood by each one of us, all the testimonies here today. 